Hello and welcome back to A Women's Place for part two of our series in um, women's representation in film. So just to catch you guys up, um, I'm Serica and this is... And during our last podcast, we just very briefly went through the history of women in the silent era and into when um, sound became involved in films and they're known as the talkies. So please go back and listen to that episode before you listen to this episode because things will make a lot more sense. I have I do one thing I'll say about the the what I thought was funny was um oh an environment or a uh, a universe where men disappear women start like doing all of these creative things amongst themselves and exp- and like expanding and progressing which I was like ha lol see what happens and then you come back and you take us back into the dark ages but I I just like to comment as well on like the 1950s when men came back from the wars after World War Two, the 1950s housewife was really a strong I will get into that probably now but like that the, actually not the tropes that we'll talk about in the cinema were used also to to get people get women back into the house but it, it was marketing was another tool that people you that they used of the 1950s housewives to get women back from the factories and working and into um into the into the home that uh yeah was obviously exasperated in film and stuff as well so um let's go yeah. here so there's a couple of tropes that i'm going to go through and i'm actually going to see if you can think of any films that follow these tropes i don't know how what how many films you you've are you a big film person do you love films um do you watch I a lot do... of movies I actually don't watch any more American movies because of the general happy ending tendency, which I'm not a big fan of. Um, I would enjoy a British movie far more often now than I would an American movie, and uh, above that again, French. I've seen a few Portuguese movies. I like watching movies that are in a different language. Um, but I love French movies because they are uh, they are not optimistic at the end a lot of the time. They'll like give a really fucking sad ending, even when you think it should end well. So um, yeah, it's a little bit more realistic, I feel, and less like aspirational and more um, tells a story. So yeah. Okay, well, we'll see if you can guess any of these um, tropes from movies so the first one is the ice queen or asexual career woman she's got a cold heart and a frosty demeanor and she's all about her career could you guess any any movie that we see an asexual career woman or an ice queen in um frozen you have what's her name is it elsa i've never seen it I oh kind goodness. of don't so want she, to see it. She like she like she's a, she's a spinster. She's kind of a young spinster. She's she's magical, but she's an ice queen. She runs off into the into the 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 mountains. But it's her younger sister who's the one who gets married. Who's like light and brown hair or red hair and lovely. Uh, and I think Elsa remains single, and she's a literal ice queen. She's, she's actually lit- made of ice. She's she's actually made of ice. <laughs> Um, who else? Ice Queen. What was the so, description you gave it? So, like, it's she's got a cold heart and a frosty demeanor, and she's often very career focused. So, like, my big one there that popped into my head straight away is, you know, the Devil Wears Prada. Mm. 
she has no feelings she likes nobody she's not to be messed with and Mm -hmm. she just exists in the world of work and nowhere else so Mm -hmm. um i haven't seen the movie but apparently uh claire from jurassic world is also another example of this but i've never seen that film so i couldn't comment oh is that the most recent one yes Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. I get that. Yeah, because he comes along and he's this... Chris Pratt comes along and he's all like, I'm so handsome. And she's like, whatever. I'm just interested in my dinosaurs. And yeah. she's... So, yeah. And this this kind of... Obviously, we'll speak about the... I'm going to go through them and then we'll speak about kind of why is this important. So the next one is the damsel in distress. As in every fairy tale written ever. Every Disney movie produced ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I don't think I need to go too much into the damsel in distress. I think people people get that trope quite easily. Um. My next one would be very much for people our age, millennials, would be a lot of the '90s and 2000s movies, and this is the Transformation Girl. Mm. The entire the entire storyline is built around her being unattractive, but what do you know when she takes off her glasses, plucks her eyebrows, and straightens her hair? Suddenly, she's beautiful. Yeah, she's beautiful. She's beautiful. So we see this in movies like um, The Princess Diaries. Yeah. Uh, She's all that. Mm -hmm. Um, And in a good few music videos like Marilyn Manson's uh, Tainted Love, where Mm -hmm. uh, she comes in and she's a nerd, apparently, because she has dungarees on. Miss Congeniality. Hello. Miss Congeniality. Yes, mm. exactly. But so I, all... the one that really gets these tropes so well is um, Not Another Teen Movie. It's such a good film to like look at all of the tropes that exist in cinema. But yeah. Yeah, definitely. The next one um, is The Weird Old Woman. The Weird mm. Old Woman exists to show us, you know, that old women have nothing to do with their lives except reminisce about their raunchy past and make crude jokes. And most of the time, the weird old woman is played by a frickin' man. Uh, Big Mama's House is a really good example of this, where mm. the old woman is either um, disgusting mm-hmm. or really weird. So another another example would be the lady in the van with uh, Professor McGonagall. What's her name? Oh, I should know her name. I can't remember it off the top of my head. But the, the woman who played Professor McGonagall, she played yeah. um, in, in a movie, The Lady with the Van. And it's the same thing. She's old and dried up and has nothing else to do with her life. And she's lonely because, as we all know, like if you don't have a family, you're going to be alone when you get old mm-hmm. and nobody will love you. So that's that one. Um, Hooker with a Heart of Gold sex worker with a big heart becomes a love interest for the main character mm-hmm. julia roberts pretty, pretty woman, woman would be yeah yeah now not gonna lie loved a bit of pretty woman when i was great younger film. she is just so great she like julia roberts is just such a beautiful woman with a beautiful body and beautiful hair and actually she has played the other trope that is i mean i know it's a true story but erin brockovich i don't know how true the all of that story is though obviously they added shit to like flesh out the character but yeah but she's erin brockovich as well so she's like that character that is only about like only about her career and sacrifices everything to Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, the Awkward Virgin is another one. So a bit like the Transformation movie, um, like an example is like Drew Barrymore and Never Been Kissed, where they mm. basically change change everything about themselves in order to fulfill what they believe is what they want. So in this instance, Drew Barrymore wants a freaking kiss. 
and she's willing to change everything about herself in order to get that kiss because as we all know girls you know it's the most it's important hard. thing in life yeah you got to change yourself hard. as a woman <laughs> it's also really difficult to be kissed but like it's just like uh, this is like pr- pure projection like you know it's just so funny like that's clearly a man who was like a 30 year old man and not been kissed like how many women realistically have not been kissed by the age of 30 it's just few, few. I, I mean they, they definitely exist like but it's definitely not as many as as men uh, no, the next ones one that is... look like drew barrymore anyway no definitely not um the next one is the disposable woman so she basically only mm. exists to get kidnapped or die so thinking about uh liam neeson's daughter in taken yes. i can't even re- can't even remember her name that will tell you no. like how disposable she was and goldie in sin city would be another example of this like he goes on this this revenge racket just uh, because she died even though we, we learned very very little about her mm. um the last one is kind of one that um bothers me the most and i I don't know why it bothers me the most. It bothers me more than the Ice Queen and more than the Damsel in Distress. And this is the nerd's dream girl. Mm. Bubbly, shallow, free-spirited fantasy girl who only exists to help a quiet, introverted protagonist come out of his shell. So think Zoe Deschanel in literally every movie she's ever made in her life. Summer from 500 Days of Summer, Claire from Elizabethtown. Um, And it just... I don't know that it, that trope bothers me nearly more than all the rest of them because it's like the girl is a unicorn you mm-hmm. know these kind of women don't really exist and I'm so lucky that I found one who's willing to put up with all of my shit this um, kind of this kind of what are you saying I just feel like like you know it's it's one of these girls who they're trying to act as as if she's not like other girls this you know, is what I'm just going to say that it this this intersects with the which is is the cool girl trope, which is like is kind of like across a few of these. Um, you could rename like maybe the this one as the cool girl trope, or it's like this, but it's more it's it's kind of more the ice queen one as well, where she's like really on. She doesn't have the same feelings. She doesn't. She's not as much drama as the other other girls. You know, the cool girl. It comes from. Um, the Gone Girl the movie even though I think that's a terrible example of the cool girl because she was actually a genuine crazy person but like um, yeah I definitely have lived my life as the cool girl wanting to be liked and not be like all the other girls um, yeah I'm not like other girls mm-hmm, yeah that that kind of thing like really irritates me so like for example now and not like the other girls type of girl like she wouldn't wear much makeup you know she'd be mm-hmm. very natural and mm-hmm. this kind of puts this kind of puts this thing of like okay so if I do wear makeup am I somehow um not as proud to be a woman or am I not as feminist or am I not as as cool um if my hair is brown versus blonde like these girls always have brown hair always mm. And mm. that, even in itself, that representation really bothers me. Like, you know, they wear like band t-shirts and shorts instead of a dress. Yes. And I'm like, you can be, if I want to be a fucking bunny boiler one day and I want to be a lumberjack the next day, how does that, how does that add or take away from my value? Like as a human mm-hmm. being, just like, yeah, fuck no. off. 
I definitely was that person as well. I'd be like, I don't wear much makeup, you know, because I'm so natural. Um, and I realized like, wait, girls who wear makeup get plenty of attention, if not more than me from, and I'm not, I'm here like a fool not wearing makeup because I think people notice me more like, no, they're not noticing me more. They're like actively not because my, I looked I don't, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not. I look like an anemic Victorian child. Like exactly. that's what I look like, you know. Yeah. But so it's I... just this thing of like that women wear makeup for men. Mm-hmm. Bitch, I don't wear makeup for men. I wear makeup because I want to, because I think it mm-hmm. looks nice and because it makes me feel more confident. I wear it for other women more than I wear it for men. Mm-hmm. Do you think a man is going to notice my NARS foundation that I spent 55 euros on? Mm-hmm. No. Do you no. think the lady in the He'll bathroom nightclub is going to? Yes, of course she is. She's going to be like, you are looking so good. Your contour, your eyebrows. I love it. No man is ever going to say that. To I have a theory. The makeup is for women. The dress is for men. So, and like, not in all situations, but like, I mean, I, 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 had a, I had a friend in Cambodia who would always say, oh, I love the dress. And I'm like, is it the dress or do you like me in it? Like, which one is it? You know, like the dress was yeah. the dress. So if you were, you know, it's just, that's just my own personal uh, theory. But yeah. So like, why are these tropes important? Like, why does mm-hmm. it even matter? And it matters because these films reach so many people all over the world. And they significantly impact the way that we see women in the world. Mm-hmm. What we see on that screen ultimately in a way, tells us what to believe about ourselves and what the world believes about us. It's so from this book, yeah. So from this book by uh, Rima Dot, it's called Behind the Curtain, Women's Representations in Contemporary Hollywood. She says that films are peppered with messages that reach audiences far and wide. And these messages contribute to our perceptions of the world. And in relation to this study, our perceptions about women. So basically, it's this thing again of if you can't see it you won't be it Mm -hmm. and it's all about representation so the on-screen problems of sexual and racial diversity is unbelievable like never mind the films that were made say during the Hayes Code period or even after the Hayes Code period I'm talking about movies that are made like now Mm -hmm. over the last decade the roles numbers of roles given to African-American Latina or Asian actresses barely count barely changed at all so in 2015 they they were 15%, people of colour were 15% of female people, oh my God, can't even talk. Okay, 15% of the roles were women of colour, okay? Mm-hmm. Those figures are the same as 2002. So in 15 years, literally nothing has changed, right? I was watching a, uh, an actor's roundtable last night and I went through a few of the videos just to have a look. And there was like one black woman in a table of like eight women and then the man, it was a white man presenter. I was like, really like this is beyond the 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 level that it's beyond ignorance now. This is just deliberate. Deliberate, a hundred percent. Of the top two hundred and fifty films in twenty eighteen. 88% had no female directors, 83% had no female writers, and 96% had no female cinematographers. 83% of those films had no female writers. So just like every other fucking aspect of our lives, there are people in those rooms writing about us, mm-hmm. but they don't see us. They don't know us. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's so annoying. So. What's 
What's actually interesting <clears throat> is that um, uh, female actresses, really successful ones, are starting their own production companies right now. Margot Robbie, for instance, and um, Reese Witherspoon, both starting um, their own production companies so that, like, probably to tackle this very issue. Yeah, so I'd say a lot of the people that are listening have heard of the Bechdel test, but for those of you that haven't, um, the term originated in 1985 in Alison Bechdel's comic strip, Dykes to Watch Out For. So she said the idea came to her after she had a te- uh, that, that herself and her roommate sat down and watched a few films, and this idea came to her. So to pass the test, all a film has to do is answer three questions, which we know. Are there more than two named female characters? Do the two female characters have a conversation at any point? And is that conversation about anything other than a male character? So they're really mm-hmm. three very simple, very easy questions. Um, so movies that pass the Bechdel test have a higher return on investment than movies that don't, regardless of their box office performance. So essentially, um, women like to see women having conversations about things that are not men on mm-hmm in books, on TV, on series, everything. So what I thought would be interesting would be to just talk about some blockbusters that actually fail this test completely. So The Lord of the Rings, big fail. The entire entire trilogy fail. Nine hours of movies. And they couldn't find two women to have a conversation about anything other than a man. Nine hours. I'm trying to think about... Harry Potter and does Hermione ever I she does told, she has she has conversations with Harry though but still she has conversations with um she has conversations with McGonagall and she has conversations with Mrs Weasley and she has conversations with um a couple of other characters but I wouldn't say every Harry Potter movie passes but mm. The, the whole thing would pass um, because some of them would definitely pass. She's got she's conversations with Ginny as well and stuff. So I would say that they pass. It wasn't one of the ones that came up when I looked this up. Another one that fails is Slumdog Millionaire. When you think back to when that was released, it was a huge movie. It really huge. was a blockbuster. Fails. So good. The Avengers fails. The Grand the Budapest Avengers. Hotel. I love like I really like Wes Anderson. I really like his films, but they fail like. I, I don't even think that the Royal Tannenbaums passes and that's like one of my favourite films which mm. is so sad uh, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo fails Breakfast at Tiffany's fails um, there is so many that fail it's kind of it's I actually kind did, of I did a, trans, a translation on this very thing from French into English and at the end of the so it's a, it's a cartoon and at the end your man goes Oh, that's an exaggeration. And she goes, yeah, okay, I am exaggerating a bit. But the only reason a lot of films pass the test is because that women aren't talking about men, they're talking about marriage. Yes, yeah. Or they're talking about something, which I'll get into in a second, or mm. they're talking about something um, like washing the dishes or mm. trying on a dress. You know, it's not a... It's not... To me, it's not a substantial conversation, mm-hmm. you know? So then I was thinking about my favorite childhood films. And because I think everybody is influenced by films that they watch in childhood. Um, now, my my parents were very um, anti-Disney. They don't, they, I've, I never saw, I didn't see The Lion King until I was in my teens. 
I've never seen Cinderella. I've never seen Sleeping Beauty. Um, they just weren't in. They, were, they weren't in my wheelhouse, I suppose. When I was a child, they they just weren't. I didn't. I wasn't even aware of their existence, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, there are some Disney movies that I've never seen, and when I say that to people, they're like, "What? That was my whole childhood," and I'm like not mine but I'm gonna go through my favorite film so my number one favorite childhood film is Hocus Pocus which obviously yes which obviously passes the bestial test as three main characters even though the main 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 protagonist is a man the three characters that anyone cares about are the witches and mm-hmm. they obviously pass and um, the next one is The Witches by Roald Dahl and that passes as well mm-hmm. uh, Jumanji which also passes and Matilda which also passes so I just did mm-hmm. five and then my, my the other one is Bugsy Malone I don't know if you've ever seen Bugsy Malone um it's a really strange film it's from like Jodie Foster's in it and she's like 11 or 12 in it so it's from like the the early 80s kind of mid early to mid 80s and it's about um it's really funny it's about kind of like a prohibition but all of the actors are children but they're playing adults oh. so like yeah it's very very strange and they shoot each other uh, like they, like you know the violin case guns but mm-hmm. they shoot each other with they shoot each other with pies um that's yeah i just really really liked it and it's one of my favorite films but it barely barely passes the test the only reason it passes is because as i said a second ago at one stage two characters two female characters have a conversation about a dress and that's the only that's the only reason it passes like it barely passes so i just think it would be interesting if people went on to the Best Shell Test website and just had a look at like, do their favorite movies actually pass the test? You know, you would be surprised at how many huge movies fail for what is very, it's a very simple bar to reach really, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Like two women having a conversation about anything other than a man. It is not a difficult bar to reach, but you would be surprised at how many movies did not pass that test and still don't. Like, still don't today. There are still movies being made. There's movies being made in Hollywood right now where two female characters don't have a conversation about anything other than a man. And again, this is about representation, you know? Um, It's this thing, even like the ice queen, you know, she's always referred to as a bitch. Mm -hmm. She's a bitch because she won't let me have time off. She's a bitch because she expects me to do this work. She's a bitch because she puts a career before her family. And as we were talking about it in our podcast, two podcasts ago, where we said, like, how come women get the word bitch thrown at them? But men are driven, men are passionate, but the woman is a bitch. You don't see the male trope of the career focused man who doesn't have a family and doesn't do anything except for work, work, work. And if he if that trope does exist, he's extraordinarily successful and people love him for it. Whereas mm. if she's extraordinarily successful, people pity her. Why mm. are you pit like why are you pitying me? Like I don't need your pity. I'm gonna go and cry with all of my disposable income. You know? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it really it really irritates me. There's this like sound going around on TikTok and on like Instagram reels and it's Cher. And it says, um it's from an interview that Cher did years ago where she says, uh, one day my mom said to me, One day, sweetheart, you'll settle down and you'll marry a rich man. She's and like... Cher was like mom I am am a rich man man. yeah I am a rich man and like that's literally how I feel I'm like me personally I'm like um I don't need you to pay for that I have Mm -hmm. my own money Mm -hmm. if I want to go on a holiday to the Seychelles I have my own money to do that Mm -hmm. if I want a new car I have my own money to do that and I'm not beholden to my partner for 
that, you know. And I feel that this kind of idea as well that you see female tropes that you see where like the woman or the girlfriend or whoever is constantly asking for money like oh I've got his credit card like I have my Mm. own fucking credit cards I don't need your fucking credit card I think it's um it's interesting when you'd like to take a step back and look at it and it's just like it really is a an obsession of these men writers these men directors with um creating a world in which women are obsessed with men rather than like this is the thing I keep saying like everything is projection like when things like keep getting repeated it's a projection like the infantilization of women is a projection like there is there is there is no way you could like argue that women are more are less mature than men when you consider what it takes to be an adult like uh, the washing um the kind of housework you have to do the management of your affairs all of these things but in you know yourself when you when we were in college you know yourself you went to any any man's any man's college house and there was like bare mattress on the floor not even a fucking bed bed's not even made there's like two pieces of furniture in the whole house all that's inside in the fridge is like condiments and coca noodles Mm-hmm. you go to a girl's house and now it might be messy don't get me wrong but like they have sheets on their bed there's stuff in the fridge mm-hmm. like there's a cleaning rota you know and I feel like a lot of the time as you said like these tropes are are pushed towards us in an effort to make us fulfill them it is a self-fulfilling thing though because like I have certainly and I know a lot of girls that I've spoken to who would say that like they acted these out and I certainly acted them out like I definitely acted them out and and one of the things for instance is like even existing outside of a film the star of a film still has that they are still given a script as human beings as actors outside of the film at what kind of character they are playing so a good example is when I remember There was like this thing in the 90s and early noughts where women who were successful and slim and 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 actresses were kind of told to lie about the fact that they diet and exercise like they just didn't admit that they lie that they used exercise or diet and uh, one that sticks in my head is I remember watching like or reading an article about Carmen Diaz and her talking about how oh she doesn't exercise the only exercise she does is wear high heels and then maybe a year or two later I think when she was going out with Justin Timberlake you know she was there surfing and then but at the same time she was talking about how she doesn't exercise and it's like but you clearly do exercise you've just been but that's a script that's been fed to them that like oh this is the kind of this is the kind of image you need to um, portray on and off screen so like they're not just acting uh, in the film they're also acting outside of the film and even like I'm sure you've seen that clip of Scarlett Johansson when she's asked you know what were you wearing any underwear when you were playing Black Widow and she's like what the fuck why did these guys like get really good questions and it like it's it's crazy how it how the script writing for these characters also extends beyond the script it actually yeah and and, and even now emulate it and even now it's this thing of you know oh i've not had plastic surgery 
mm-hmm. I've not had any work done. And I'm like, more power to you if you had. Like, I don't give a shit. If you want to if, if you want to get a facelift, get a facelift. Like, that's your prerogative. That's your body. But don't tell me mm-hmm. that you haven't had a facelift when you are 55 and you look 30. That mm-hmm. is not down to drinking water. That is not down to wearing sun cream. That mm-hmm. is surgery. And you're mm-hmm. perpetuating this idea that you can look like that mm-hmm. with no effort or with very little effort. And it's mm-hmm. just your good genes. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's it's so toxic. Like, yeah. it is so it, toxic. The, the, like, what are the kind of things? I think, I think a huge thing that I definitely modeled was this idea of um from films was this idea of like how to behave with boys uh for instance or men so I would like behave in the kind of same way as I saw them behaving in film and then expecting them to behave like the men did in the film but then they didn't and I was like confused I didn't understand I was like, but this is how, like, it took me a really long time to realize, like, that that's complete bullshit. Shit. Like, and people don't, like, oh, he'll run after you if he really likes you or whatever. It's like, no, people are highly insecure. They're not going to stand outside your fucking window with a boombox or, true. you so know, true. Or, or like proclaim your love or whatever. Like, it's just the, 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 the intense. It's also a big thing was the, the, the portrayal of love on screen is actually in real life an abusive situation. Yeah, like some of the stuff that you see in films, it's so dodgy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he, they've broken up and he's outside of her apartment every night. He's sending her flowers every single day. He won't mm-hmm. stop emailing her. He won't stop calling her. Like that is that is toxic. Like that mm-hmm. is you you've set a boundary and this person isn't respecting that boundary. Mm-hmm. But it's all good because he's really handsome. So you're going to marry him anyway. Mm-hmm. Like fuck off mm-hmm. do you know it's like do you know in sex in the city where spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen it um where at the end she discovers that he's after sending her nine million hundred emails to her secret email address mm-hmm. you know like he typed out every one of these letters and i'm like no he fucking didn't type out everyone his assistant typed out every one of those letters or he probably fucking photocopied them or scanned them or some shit because like no he fucking didn't and like that like you said like so much of that is toxic behavior that like I would not accept from my partner and I know that you wouldn't accept it and most women wouldn't accept it but in a film it's romanticized like do you know even um what's that Christmas film that everyone loves uh with your man he's got the signs and he's standing outside her window and he's like tell them it's carol singers and he starts yes yeah throwing yeah, away the signs and they're actually. like I love you yeah and he's like I love you will you be with me and I'm like if a man did that to me I would literally close the door and run away like that would freak the shit out of me yeah but it's not even like the it, I it's not even the very obvious toxic behaviors it's actually how media and films have taught us like if you're super nervous and like it's really exciting in the beginning then that is like that that's a sign that like you you're actually in love and there's this spark but actually that translates into like that madly in love thing in the beginning of relationships translates into fucking someone is manipulating you a lot of the time like it can be Someone is manipulating you, and it it's it's like the uh, uh, it's like a lot of the men, <laughs> it's like abusive people wrote the script to to convince. Well, we are talking about Hollywood now. So yeah, I highly likely to that convince people wrote the script. 
to to convince us that abuse abuse is love and it's um yeah it's just an interesting one and it, it's just so dangerous um what you see reflected on screen and i think the like i think it's not too it's not as harmful with the tropes when you know that they exist when you don't see aware of it you can be like okay yeah that's an interesting way of telling a story and maybe you'd have to reduce characters to this like in a comedy for instance or in a kind of like a dramatic thing like i have no problem with a trope but it's like when you're unconscious of it and then you're copying it then that is an issue yeah, and even now, like a lot of the films, I will say thankfully that are being produced now, like are far more diverse and they're far mm-hmm. um, less tropish, particularly the ones that are coming out like from the streaming giants. Like I think the ones that are really still being made by Hollywood are still fulfilling a lot of these tropes, but mm-hmm. even the ones that aren't fulfilling these tropes and are made by maybe slightly more diverse um, cast and crew, they are still only pushing this agenda because it makes money. Mm-hmm. Like, Like a lot of companies, they are whitewashing greenwashing pinkwashing their um their products to make the consumer feel better about consuming them so just like big fashion companies like h&m are saying you know oh yeah no we've an eco-friendly line when they won't pay the fucking garment workers any money it's the same as like netflix producing these highly diverse films because they know that that's what's in the now Mm-hmm. And it's, I personally feel that that's why they're doing it and they're not doing it out of the goodness of their heart. You know what I mean? They're doing it because they think it's going to make them more money. Um, also on the point of like, there's, they're sticking to these tropes. Uh, another reason why the, you could say they're sticking to those tropes is because of the internationalization of these films. They're not just in America or in like um, progressive, not that America is a progressive country, but in in progressive spaces they're being western country probably they're but they're being exported all over to all over the world which includes very very religious and conservative um places um which america is like i mean america yeah, I is the Stop. is it's not even you don't even have to go beyond the borders but i remember reading a, a thing before a critique but from this right wing guy saying that the reason they don't put more black people in films is because the Chinese are super racist and they don't want to see black people in films and it's like dude that's not like a reason to do that no no it's not (laughs) um and like then you'd also see things like um on Netflix you know Bridgerton Mm -hmm. and um other series that are being made about like say George and Edwardian and Victorian London um, like a lot of people don't seem to realize there were at least 30,000 um, black Georgian merchants living in London in the Georgian times, mm. at least 30,000 black mm-hmm. merchants. So these people were um, were family people, you know, they had family businesses and they had families themselves and they were um, usually uh, marrying um, white women, um, usually, not always, but usually. So. Uh, when people give out, which is the stupidest giving out like you ever hear in your life, when people give out that like, um, how can you have a lord and he's black? And you're like, uh, because black people have existed in Britain for the last 6,000 years. Like, I I don't understand what your fucking issue is with this. Like, you know, it's it's not like, um, we'd say it's not like something like, um, like, you know, if there was a movie set in the 1500s in Connemara and there was a Chinese man in that movie, I'd be like, that's a bit unlikely. You know, yeah. but for 
for Bridgerton and other films and movies that are set in, we'd say from the 1700s onwards, there were loads of people of color in, in mm-hmm. England and in America during that time. And to act like they didn't exist is another way that the movie industry and the silver and the small screen industry is kind of, or was prior to this, was kind of trying to keep these spaces for white people, you know, this and trying right. to pretend like that. Like film and TV are, are, are more powerful than the word in a lot of ways and even education, because like whilst the like, yes, your 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 education in school is going to cherry pick your own whatever, it'll cherry pick your own country or whatever. But when you see film and you see TV, you can you can you can consume a lot more of a story and you can because you can see things. Yeah, visual medium is almost always easier for people. It gets into your brain so much quicker and easier. So now you have a map after seeing maybe 20 films over the course of five years of what a certain time looked like. And so anything that that actually paints a picture that might look like the real situation is jarring because it doesn't fit in with your previous map of what that was. And that's also when it comes to women in, in history and women in in the arts it's like they have been erased out of it that's why so you'll hear so many men say like oh tell me one thing women invented or there's no great there's no female shakespeare or there's no it's like there was but there was just they're just they either were were not whitewashed out of existence yeah they're not given the opportunity to develop into that because you have to you know like Beethoven was didn't have a fucking nine to five on the side and then he was playing piano do you know like it was like his life and you need a certain amount of privilege to be in that position in order to do that but yeah it's just um it's so multifaceted and it's just what are the the other thing as well is like what they choose to make movies about like I'd love mm. to be inside in like a room when they when they're talking about like what would we make our next movie about? So like just for example, there was a Harriet Tubman movie made um last year and released this year. Brilliant, great. Um but like look how long that Harriet Tubman like she was she's dead a hundred years more, do you know, and mm-hmm. yet it took that long for a movie to be made about such an amazing woman. Mm-hmm. We've like nine fucking films made about Queen Victoria, who all she mm-hmm. ever did was subjugate people. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's the choosing as well. Like you said, that was such a good point that you made that like, if you have 20 films from one era, you, that's what you imagine that era to be mm-hmm. like. And mm-hmm. that's actually such a good point. And you think you put it really, I think you put it in a really succinct way that like, if you see, as you said, like 20 films about the royal family, um, then you're going to assume that that's what they're like. Um, and it's the same for like in any era that's depicted like the American West, you know, all you see Mm -hmm. are damsels in distress and and cowboys. Um, But that's not what the American West was actually like. You know, it was full of Mm -hmm. Irish, Italians, Chinese, Polish, Germans. And you don't see that, you know, you just see these white Americans. Um, And I, I think that what films are chosen to be made is also another is where you have to start really because if you can start there then you can sort out the representation and stuff but until there's women and people of color at that table at the table sitting at the table where they actually decide we are going to invest in x y and z you know 
that that that's where the decision is going to be made and like you said there are those female celebrities taking matters into their own hands like Shonda Rhimes she's taking Mm -hmm. matters into her own hands and making her own stuff and like you said Margot Robbie and a couple of other people like that's the only way to fix this is for Mm -hmm. the women and the people of color to actually be at the top table it's making there's there's two points I want to make on that. One is that Black Americans have been calling for no more slave slave films, no more slave films, no more depicting um Black uh, people at at like there's they've they're just like we've had enough of slave films, we've had enough of watching them, we've had enough of being them, and it's almost like such an insidious thing to like get people to act out this this absolutely most traumatic thing again and again and again and again and what's her name Viola Davis came out and said that she really regretted doing the help because the help is like such a like a a, a, white savior white savior yes it's but it's a trope of black women as well of being this like motherly um you know or you are like kind of not that intelligent, but motherly, warm and encouraging to the, the, the main white character. And like the one thing, the one line myself and Sean used to like, my friend Sean used to always like, like you is kind, you is important. Because we just thought yeah. it was, we just laughed. Like we were just like, we're like, this is a bit ridiculous, you know. But um, the second point is, which kind of brings into focus like how it brings in the pay gap as well so this round table I can't remember who the the actress was but she long beautiful ginger hair such a beautiful woman but she was saying that like we have asked for film writers and agents so the problem of women underpricing themselves compared to their male counterparts because they may not know what they're ma- the male don't talk about money yeah yeah so right they 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 ask agencies for writers the right the agencies send them male writers not just because they're male writers but because they are a higher priced writer and because the agency gets more of a cut more commission of if that writer is so they don't send in the best they send in um the the people who price themselves higher and then that creates a a self-selecting chain so like the the issue of women being chosen as writers is not just sexism like oh we don't want want women it's it's actually and like most of these things in it's is it's not like an individual choosing these things it's a systematic and it's very um it's it's a systematic thing that is actually completely unconscious like people aren't aren't going oh we don't want any women writers it's just that that what floats to the top are male writers in that instance yeah so it's just yeah i think that like as, as we said a second ago like the biggest issue as in like not just in Hollywood, not just in the film industry, but in everything, even in our own our own country here in Ireland, like with the government, is there's there women aren't at that table. You know, mm-hmm. people of colour aren't at that table. And um it's very difficult for them to, to get to that table. And so like 
I, I would never say that our politicians are sexist, racist, etc. But I'm saying that they live their life through the lens of their life. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have lived experience as a woman, as a person of colour, then how can you be sure in your decisions that you're making that about how they affect people? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. This whole idea, like you said, of, of the, the cheap, the, the dearest person because they've got the biggest profile and therefore they're more likely to get the jobs. I think that that's, that's across the board in every industry. Like mm-hmm. if you, if when you enter your career, you don't um, get up to the top, then you're going to find it extremely difficult to beat back those people that have made their name. And you yes. could be so much more talented than them, so much better than them. And yet, because you haven't been given that little chance, you're going to struggle really to be able to to get what you deserve and get what your talents deserve, you know? That's so interesting. Actually, um, I hadn't th- thought of it that way. Like you, it's not so much, it's not a climbing a ladder. It's a, you either get to the top and now you're like, you're getting all the offers or you stay in the bottom like the the climbing of the ladder is kind of like a myth or it's a very it's it's more far rarer it's than like, just the people who just get you know to the top like, and that they're just there you're climbing the ladder and for every one of your privileges you get an extra rung so mm. instead of going from what rung one to rung two because you're white because you're male because you're middle class you get to go from rung one to rung five Mm-hmm. and other people have to try and make their way up and they've got rungs that are missing mm-hmm. you know and I think that's like probably one of the best analogies for it is that yeah going in you were all starting on you know as copywriters or whatever but because of other people's biases and prejudices you're finding it very difficult to climb mm-hmm. that ladder and somebody else is like Speedy Gonzalez gone up ahead of you I actually you know? had um applied for a job and um as a copywriter and this the woman asked me how much I would charge and I was like, Oh, I'll just charge this amount. We'll say it was like we'll say for argument's sake I was asking for uh five hundred euro, right? And um she was like, Okay, that's fine. I'm actually gonna put you at um two grand because that'll bring it up to, to line with everyone else. And I was like, Thank you. And I was like number one I brought my my price was woefully too low but it was really high for me okay but compared to everyone else because she was a woman and she probably knew what was going on the same thing herself back in the day and she she was like i'm just gonna bump so that you're the same and everyone else i was like okay thanks and i didn't yeah this is another huge thing about just our society in general is this kind of unwillingness to talk about how much you make Mm -hmm. you know like unless you're a public servant um you're you're probably not going to have a very good idea of what your colleagues make like mm-hmm. if you're a public servant it's all available online and you can see what people make but if you're outside of that you're, you're probably not going to have a, a very good idea and i mean there are so many cases coming up in front of the workplace commissions which in ireland here is like where they rule on discrimination in the workplace um it's like a form of a high court kind of and mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many cases coming up now where women were like this man is making 15 grand a year more Mm. than me and we do the exact same job Mm -hmm. and the workplace is just like shh don't talk about it um so they're bringing it up to the courts then there's a law coming in that requires businesses with over x amount of employees to publish what their employees make 
yeah in weird. norway i know that they actually publish every single person's tax returns are available online in norway but to mm. access them you have to use your pps number your social services number so if i wanted to look at how much you make you would be able to see that i looked at it oh uh, yeah that's right it would say like viewed viewed by so like mm. viewed by me obviously or whatever um and i actually think that that is a really good system because mm. then there's no way that your boss can lie to you and say that such and such is only making x amount you know i think women are more reluctant to ask for raises as well i think women are more reluctant to put themselves forward for promotions um because we have this idea that like we have this idea drilled into us that that's not for us mm-hmm. you know that's for someone else um so thank you guys for listening i know we yeah. went off on a bit of a rant i know we went off on a bit rant. of a rant there at the end that's fine but um if you're if you're interested i could do a definitely do a deeper dive into the women of the silent film era because they were so interesting and the subject matter is really interesting and really diverse so if you're interested in something like that just drop us a comment on any of our socials and it's definitely something that i'd be interested in researching and talking about mm-hmm. thank you very much and we'll see you next time Thanks guys, have a lovely day. Bye.